Hola mi gente, welcome back to the Chrissy Osoria show. As always, I'm always excited to be here with you and to be able to share a message or to have a guest speaker on here and share their message, their story, and in hopes to inspire you, right? And, and in hopes that, you know, you know that your story matters and Today, in this week's episode, actually, I am so happy to have Maria Alfaro, who is the founder of Que Pasa Latinx. Um, she is an amazing woman doing amazing things with the community in New York, in Yonkers, New York. Um, it's up in Westchester County, in case you don't know. And that is also um, what Yonkers is a home to me as well, because it's where um, I grew up, right, along in the Bronx. So... I am so happy that I'm able to feature um, different people within the community for you and to show you that everyone is making a difference some way, somehow. Um, Maria Alfaro, again, like I said, she is the founder of Que Pasa Latinx. Also, um, she's first-generation Salvadorian-American. She was born and raised in Yonkers, New York. She lived in Florida for a, year, for a few years throughout her childhood, but eventually made her way back home to her hometown. With most of her family living in Yonkers, she has always had strong ties to the city. As a teenager and a student of Lincoln High School in Yonkers, Maria began to teach herself about mental conditions through through their scientific research program in hopes of understanding her mom better. This sparked her passion to learn more about the human mind as she went off to earn a bachelor's in behavioral science. And so she recently founded a nonprofit organization named Que Paso Latinx Inc. Her mission with Que Paso Latinx is to educate and empower the Latinx community by scaling the conversation on mental health in hopes of dignity stigmatizing i'm sorry the topic so again maria um in this episode today guys you're gonna have to take a lot of notes because i definitely took a lot of notes she spoke about mental health um mental health and what she has experienced and how this experience um you know since a teenager um since a childhood what lead her to be the founder of que paso latinx and I hope that, you know, within today's episode, um, you know, it inspires you, right? And it moves you some way, somehow. And, um, and, you know, and I hope that you also follow Maria and follow her journey and follow her not-for-profit, support her not-for-profit because there's organizations like these that make a difference in the in the community and i am so happy to have maria as part of um the guest speaker for the week and you know i'll be leaving all her information how you can follow her in the show notes please make sure to go follow her please go support and as always please share this message with anyone or someone that you know that may be interested that this re episode can resonate so you guys with further ado here's the episode with maria Faro, and thank you so much for listening Hey everyone, welcome back to the Christy Osoria Show. I am so excited. Today I get to have a special guest. Her name is Maria Alfaro, correct? Alfaro. Alfaro. Maria, thank you so much for being here, for being a guest um, for my community, and for, you know, to be able to share your story. Um, if you can just share a little bit with the community who you are, what you do, and I cannot wait to hear everything that you do for the community. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here also. And um, so everyone, I'm Maria Alfaro and I am a mental health advocate um, here in the community in Yonkers and also online, Yonkers, New York. And, um, but also I have a social, social media presence um, with my nonprofit, Que Paso La Inex. So um, let me backtrack. So I've been a mental health advocate for a year. Um, so I started last May and it all started with a blog that I launched called Que Paso Latina. So it's like, what happened, Latina? And I'm talking about esta Latina, right? So, um, so I started talking about my story and my experiences with mental health, but also my family experiences with mental health. And in specific, I started talking about my mom. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when she was 10. So she's lived with the disorder for her entire life. However, I didn't learn about it until I was 16 and in high school. And, you know, so 16 in high school, I'm a teenager, so I'm learning about her disorder, something that she's lived with for my entire life, right? And I'm also trying to figure out myself, you know, 16-year-old, a teenager. So a lot of what I dealt with in, in high school when I was learning about her illness was the behaviors that I had lived with my entire life up until that point. So these are the behaviors that come with her bipolar disorder. For those of you who don't know what bipolar disorder is, it's where it's a it's an super up and super down with emotions. So you'll be very, very happy or or very, very sad. There's sort of there there's sort of no in between um for the most part with the disorder and that's where medications are, are really effective. So my mom is on medications, but from time to time throughout life, um she would say, Oh no, you know, I'm I'm not there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have a mental disorder. I don't need medications. And then that's when she would spiral. She'd end up in the psych hospital for for weeks at a time and then I'd either you know my dad was working from sun up to sundown so I'd either live with my grandma or with my aunts one of my aunts my mother's sisters so it was very unstable so throughout the the years and up until that point in high school I I sort of resented my mom because I didn't know why she acted that way you know I resented her once I learned about it I resented her for actions that were out of her control because this was her illness yeah but little did I know, you know, little did I know. So once I, I figured this out and I said, no, I need to learn about this. I need to figure, figure this out so that I can figure myself out and more importantly, figure out my mom, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this was 16 and in high school. So then um, I, I started studying it briefly through a program in my local high school, a scientific research program, where I was able to um, pull up journal articles and really read about the mental conditions, you know, bipolar disorder, different, ju just about the mind. So that's what sparked my, my passion and my interest in mental health. Mm. So then I went off to college and I studied um, behavioral sciences. So I have a bachelor's in behavioral sciences and um, I continued that, you know, and then now I'm studying um, in grad school and I'm going for a master's in organizational leadership so that I can lead this nonprofit that I've, you know, started. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what sparked my interest and my passion in mental health. And that's what led me to where I'm at today. So through my blog, I started sharing those stories. And then I, cook, I quickly realized that a lot of people were, were, were really gravitating towards my stories. And, you know, I got a lot of positive feedback and, and I showed, the community showed me a lot of support. So, and this was online. And then it would also spill to conversations with like friends and, you know, people in my circle. 
So then I started to realize that it was something that people loved. Like they loved, like they would see me and it was like, I, whether I knew them personally or not, it was like, they felt they could connect with me because yeah. they had read my story. So I said, no, you know, like I need to do more. Like, I feel like I need to do more and have a bigger impact, you know, than just, um, you know, sharing my story online through a blog. So that's when, you know, I thought of the idea, you know, what can I do? What can I do? And then I said, okay, I'm going to do a not-for-profit. And I really want it to be here in my community in Yonkers, the community that raised me. And my ultimate goal with my nonprofit, you know, we just start, we just launched in May. So, but my ultimate goal is to actually get into the schools because like I said, my story started at 16 and in high school. And if I would have had a program like the one I'm trying to implement back then, you know, things would have been different and not that, you know, I don't regret or, or, you know, I don't take back any experiences because they all shape me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They all shape me into who I am today. So, so that's, that's where, that's my story. And that's, that's where I'm at now. You know, that's what got, gotten me to where I'm at now. Yeah. Now I do have a question. Did you, mm-hmm. um, I, I'll be honest. I don't know if I caught it, if, if you said it, did you know anything about bipolar while you were 16 or yeah. Like, did you know, did you even know the meaning of it? So no. So this, so as far as I knew when I was 16, right. And I'm the oldest, so it's, I'm the oldest um of two so it's me and my younger sister who's two two years younger than me and so all I remember knowing you know was that my grandmother and my father you know they would say Mm. when she would go to the hospital like the psych hospital and she would like go away and we wanted as as children you know because this went on my whole life Mm. was you know like it was just and then like guess once I got older and I could realize on my own that we were going to visit her at a psych hospital this wasn't like your local hospital she wasn't physically ill mm-hmm. that's when it started to catch on and you know my grandmother um definitely help, helped my mom because my grandmother's a nurse yeah and she definitely she well, she's a retired nurse but she definitely helped my mom get the care she needed but I still think that um, because of the stigma and the lack of understanding, it wasn't a conversation, you know, in, in our household, in, in the household of, you know, my outer family, my immediate family. And so that's what resulted in me not being aware. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, and that's something that I have gone through too as a Latina. You understand what I mean? Where my family tried to hide a lot of the things that was going on at home. Um, you know, even like depression, let's just say, right? Like no one really talks about it or talks about even getting help because mm-hmm. it was just, oh, I don't want to seem like I'm crazy um, type of thing. That that's that's my that was us. You understand? Um, but then it's like, you know, it makes me think too, at one point, like being 16, and I'm pretty sure anyone that can relate when you're 16, you're like wondering like about life, about going to college. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you just had so much in your mind, like, you know, what is going on with life itself, you know, and, you know, who am I, like, what am I even to do, you know, that that ever come mm-hmm. up for you? Yeah, so um, for the most part in high school, right, I felt like I, so at 16 at that age, I felt like I I um, distracted myself mm. in in my studies, um, you know, because even though I had such an unstable, you know, 
you know, childhood, I was still able, thank God I had the support of my family, my father, my grandmother. I was still able to do well in school. So I was always in honors classes. So I felt like I, you know, I immersed myself in my studies. And then I also started working full time at 16. So I got an internship through my high school. Mm-hmm. And right after school, I would go to work, mm. you know, so I felt like that kept me my mind occupied. And I think it wasn't until after I finished high school mm-hmm. and I I went on to, to study for my bachelor's and um, I started to realize that I felt there was something wrong with me. And at that point, I had learned, you know, I was starting to learn about my mom's illness. Mm-hmm. And then even at one point I thought, you know, am I bipolar? Like, is it, and that's when I started looking into, is it genetic, you know, or is it environmental? And it, it can be a mix of the both, you know? Yeah. Um, but so that's when it was like, what's going on? And mm-hmm. now looking back at that time period in my life, and it must've been like three years, if not a little more, I was in a deep depression without even knowing it. Like I would, so like I moved out when I was 18 because I had to really remove myself in order to understand you and, and also formulate a better relationship with my mom, you know? Yeah. yeah I get so, it. yeah. So I, looking back at that, it was like, wow, I was depressed. So I would, I moved out and then I would, you know, so I'd go to work, I'd have my nine to five and then I'd go to school right after work. And, um, if I wasn't in school and if I wasn't doing schoolwork, then I would come home and I would sleep after work mm. and I would, ju- and, and I would, and I started, and that's how I slowly fell into like a deep depression. And, and now I can realize that. Right. But yeah. at the moment, because I wasn't aware, I had no idea. Yeah. And we didn't even know again, like we didn't even know what depression was like. Yeah. You understand? And I kind of went through my own stage of depression and not knowing and that's actually something that I'm going to share, like, and, in, in, you know, I was going to share, but it's like not knowing it was depression, not knowing the definition of depression, because again, it's something that we didn't talk yeah. about. I didn't talk about it in school. We didn't talk about it in school. It's something that we didn't talk about it at home. So I didn't even know what depression was. And I went a good amount of years just keeping myself busy and not realizing I was tugging in so much, like literally under my covers to try to hide. But um, I've kept, like you, I've kept myself busy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was just like, I guess this is how, how life is. You just have to just be quiet about it and just move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're going with the punches, right? Yeah. Like you're just, you're... yeah. And it's like any punch that comes, you're like, okay, I'll just get back up and I'll just hide it and not yes. talk about it, you know? So, you know, I'm really happy that you like even spoke about that because I just think that it's something that so many, I think a lot of Latinos, especially first generations kind of go through it because yeah. we have been so custom, but also like, so like our minds from our parents have been so, um, you know, like they tell us like, you know, we don't talk about the stuff that happens at home or, you know, or you just get up and do it again and just, you know, roll with it. But we don't talk about expressing ourselves or actually saying like, what is going on, what we're feeling. Is that something that you felt that will happen in your home? Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it was always, you know, we, obviously my sister and I, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole family knew, like we were obviously dealing with a lot you know, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't even in my blog, I haven't spoken about not even half of the stuff, you know, but like my mother, she also, 
Um, so she was bipolar. And also when she went off her medications and she sort of felt like, okay, you know, like, and her system became unbalanced and her mind became mentally weak. She also coped and turned to drugs. So she was also, you know, she also abused drugs. And, and so that was also a thing that impacted, you know, my, my, you know, growing up. So, so yes, um, it, it wasn't spoken about, you know, all, you know, my father, my grandmother, they all knew that I, as a child, as a young girl was going through all of this. And it obviously was affecting me some sort of way, but I guess because in my situation, they saw it was affecting me. Maybe it was more good. They, maybe they felt the need to not speak about it. Like, okay, you know, she's going through this and they're going through a lot, you know, me and my sister, but because she's, you know, she's, keep it, she's I think fine. It's also the, the, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think it's yeah. also that she's keeping herself busy and she's doing good. So she has. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I think that's something that um, my mother and I actually talked about. You understand what I mean? My mother is one not to deny. She, like, she kind of denies that she was in depression a lot. You understand? Um, my mom okay. kind of is in that denial state sometimes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it's nothing against her. It's nothing. It's nothing wrong with right. her. Sometimes she's just like, I'm like, mom, it's okay to say if you're depressed. You know, like it's yeah. okay. I go through it too. You know, I'm still human. But I remember a couple of years ago when I decided to have a conversation with my mother about my past and about me being 16 and going through depression. She actually said to me, like, I didn't think you need help. You know, because wow. you, um, you made it seem like you were good and you were always strong and you always kept yourself busy. So it kind of makes me think that I think that's what happens to a lot of, um, you know, millennials and a lot of people even our age and even older, like parents just feel like they don't have to talk about it because they see their kids just being busy and they're seeing their kids, um, you know, just working, going to school and keeping their mind yeah. busy, like, they don't, they don't know what's going on. You understand what mm-hmm. I mean? And I guess as a parent myself now, I could see myself probably, obviously I know now when something is wrong that I talk to my daughter, but I, if I don't, if I don't talk about it, I could see myself going, well, she's strong. So she knows already, you know, that, you know what okay. I mean? Okay. You get what I'm seeing as a parent. So you get where she was coming yeah, from. Yeah, I get yeah. where she was coming from mm-hmm. because I'm a parent now. So, and I see, and I tell myself, I see how my mom would think I have always been strong and there was nothing wrong with me because I see this powerful, confident young girl in front of me. You understand? Kind of like, okay, I I get where that was coming from. But at the time I didn't get that because I even had to tell my mom, like, mom, I needed help. You understand what I mean? But they don't get that because again, getting help is not the norm in my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like not even like, I feel like it's just, it's such, it's so ingrained in our culture, in the, in the Latino culture to, you know, we're strong, you know, like, and, you know, if you show your feelings or as a woman or as a man, it's like a sign of weakness or it can be a character flaw. So, or even it's like, you know, like you said earlier, like, oh, ella está loca, or like, or how others are going to, you know, maybe family, friends, people outside the family, how are they going to perceive that? So, you know, I feel like that, those stigmas are so engraved in our culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all have to work towards 
normalizing that, like you said, like with the next generation, with your kids, and but also realizing, like you said, it's nothing against your mother. And I, I have nothing against my mother. You know, now we're, this is the strongest I've seen my mom in my entire life. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're the best of friends. And it's, you know, it's about healing and recognizing that that was out of their control. That's, mm-hmm. they did the best they could. They did what they knew best, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what, that's what all parents do at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a question. I'm sure you probably went through your healing process, right? And trying to work on your inner healing, you know, mm-hmm. don't even do the work that you do now. Um, what, what were some things that you even learned about yourself along the way of like healing? So I'm currently still in that, you know, healing process. Cause imagine like, yeah. And I think we all are still, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the beginning, right? So let's say it's been maybe two years that I actually started going to therapy and, you know, everyone has their own way of healing, but, you know, I chose to seek therapy because um, for me, I felt, you know, like I was always a strong one and being the oldest, you know, my sister always looked up to me and always felt the need to be strong for her, for my mom and for my dad, you know? So all that weighed on me. And then, so I think it was like right after I finished, um, my bachelor's and then I took some time off and then I went into go for my master's, but I started getting panic attacks and started getting anxiety attacks and they started affecting me physically where I was shaking and I, you know, my heart was like just beating and it, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't until it started affecting me physically, holding everything in, not speaking about these things, you know, was that I said, okay, no, I, I, I knew I had, I knew eventually I was going to need help once I embarked on this journey of, you know, mental health and all that. But I said, okay, no, now, you know, enough is enough. Your body's giving up, Maria. You need to do this for yourself. So I went ahead and I thought, I, you know, I sought therapy. And so in terms of my healing journey, something um, that I learned. So I told my therapist, I, I went in there and I said, you know what, like, I, I feel like there's something wrong with me. You know, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if it's I'm bipolar. Like, I don't know if that was carried down to me. Like, what is it? Like, so after numerous sessions, numerous sessions, you know, we would talk and I would tell her, you know, what I've gone through and she would just give me her insight and whatever. And so I found out that, um, so I have OCPD. Mm. So OCPD is obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Mm. So, and it's, um, in mental disorders, it's conditioned and it's uh, categorized under anxiety. So it's a form of anxiety. So where I feel the need to, um, uh, it's, so it's sort of like a better way to describe it. It's sort of like OCD where, you know, people have compulsive actions, you know, with objects or different things, except in my case, it's within my personality. Mm. So like the way I deal with people, the way I organize myself, you know, the way I organize um, my life, my house, you know, so it's, it's an organized, it, it's, it's with organization. Okay. And it's, it's a structure thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it's the root of it is anxiety. Mm-hmm. So she says the reason why she believes, and, and I also believe, cause you know, therapists can tell you things, but if it, does it resonate with me? I feel like it did. Yeah. So she says it's because, so like I said, I had, because my childhood was so unstable growing up, you know, like it's been 
up and down, up and down. Like, is mommy going to go in the hospital? Where am I going to go? Who's, you know, it's, um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I guess my natural coping or my natural personality developed into the need to have structure and organization in the only thing that I can control, which is myself, my personality. So she told me that and I said, what? I said, that makes so much sense. And thank you because I thought something was wrong with me. And she's like, no, she was like, out of all the mental disorders, like this is, this is one of the more, um, one of the ones that, you know, you won't require medication. Like it's something where, you know, you're able to manage it. It's more manageable um, without medication, you know, and if you really put your mind to it, you can um, live with it and it won't get the best of you. Mm-hmm. So ever since she she told me about that, it was like, wow, like, I felt like I had finally met myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like, hi, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> like, hello, like, we're yeah. this whole time. Um, um, did, were you open about going to therapy with your family? Like, did they, like, you know, was that something that you communicated that with them or eventually or have you? So yes and yes and no. So okay. with my, I shared it with um, my immediate family. I shared it with, um, well, first I shared it with my sister. I have a cousin who I'm really close to. I shared it with her. And then it, it's funny that you asked that because I, I shared it with even people outside of my immediate family, family members and friends. But for some reason, it took me longer to share it with my mom and dad. Mm then you know because I I had shared it with my aunt with my grandmother even before I had officially like shared it with my mom and dad yeah and I don't know that's that uh, that's something I'm going to bring up in therapy because like it's interesting that you know my parents are the two people that you know I shared it with last but and I don't know why I don't I don't because I don't feel like it was I felt they wouldn't understand you know because my mom you know she's she seeks mental health treatment um, yeah. but I don't know if it was I think it was more because I didn't want them I didn't want them to think that there was anything wrong with me because I am the strong one you know that quote that says um check on your strongest friends or something like that like yeah. I always feel like that's me and like the second I show any weakness especially to my mom and dad because they've always seen me as that it's like oh no get a box um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like, no, yes. I can, and I can relate to that because yeah. even right now I'm going through a big transition in my life. So like, I'm going to be honest with you. And um, the other day my mom was here and we kind of had like a discussion cause I kind of started crying and um, I don't know. I just started crying and yeah. my mother didn't know how to even like handle me at that moment because she's like wait what's going on like you're not supposed to be crying like what's going on? and like she like and the thing and again and I think it's because again like I am the oldest of three so I completely get it I'm the oldest okay of three, okay and um and my parents like I mentioned before they always see me as Chrissy's the strong one you know she got pregnant at 19 but she figured it out you know what I mean so it was they have this this big uh like I don't even know how to put it but like this big thing of who I am but then again forgetting that I'm also human and forgetting that I'm still I'm still a daughter you know what I mean who kind of needs help and um 
so yeah, so I completely get it of one of I, I I can relate to telling your parents last because I even it's not probably until like recently, probably like a year a year ago or so that I did tell them that I was seeking help. You understand? Even though I've been seeking help for so many years. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do against my parents, mm-hmm. but and it had nothing to do against that. It just more had to do of how would they what would they think? You know what I mean? And I didn't want to, again, hurt their feelings to be like, oh, you guys messed up my life. But, you know. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's been tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've had that. So maybe it must have been like maybe a few months ago when I I really launched Que Paso Latinx. Then my mom, she knew about my blog and she knew I was sharing our story. And I obviously let her know because I was at the same time sharing parts of her story. And she was totally fine with it um, because she wants to, you know, I, you know, I'm sharing this in an empowering way. So she loved that. So, you know, when with Que Paso Latinx, um, a few months ago, I started telling my mom, you know, like I'm going to, you know, I'm always going to be more busy because I'm really going to, you know, immerse myself in this. Like, this is what I want to do. And, you know, telling her how she was really the, my reasoning behind even starting this because of, you know, like the whole story I just, I just told you guys, it's like about, uh, you know, when I was 16 and this and that. And so that, that was sort of, that was tough because I don't think I've ever, you know, brought that up to her or even mentioned it to her. Yeah. But, and she didn't say much, but she did acknowledge what I'm doing. And she, she agreed with what I'm doing. And she said that, you know, she thinks it's, it's great. She thinks that, and then she, it even made her feel more comfortable in sharing more things with me and saying, you know, yeah, like, I really feel like that's needed because, mm. you know, when I was younger, like, you know, people would make fun of her and they would say, oh, she's acting that way. She's crazy. Oh, you know, like even people within the, within the family, yeah. you know, and nothing against, you know, my family, but it's like, that's, that's just, that's what we're trying to move forward from. Right. Yeah. So, you so know, but the powerful fact- though, you understand what yeah. I mean? For your mom to even admit that, um, because, Okay, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, being Central American, you understand? Okay. And yeah. um, um, especially being a Central American woman, you understand, here in the United States. And more because, I, I, well, you grew up in Yonkers. I grew up in the Bronx in Yonkers, so I kind of get it. Um, but being a Central American, and again, I cannot talk for every other country, but I just feel that especially with the women, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like this big thing that, Again, and it goes back to what we spent in the beginning that we don't talk, we let our feelings in and we don't talk about any struggles that has happened. So I feel like it's really powerful, like when your mom or like my mom, let's just say, like admits to, yeah, that like this needs to be spoken of because they didn't have it growing up. You understand? Mm-hmm. What I mean? And I'm sure it was a big thing for your mom to even express that. Yeah, yeah. that, And that's why I felt like, um, like I said, she didn't say much and, but what she did say, like you said, it was so powerful and it really, it, it made me feel, you know, like, yes, like, like what I'm actually doing, like, this is what we need, you know? And like, I just wish it, I, I just wish it would have been different for her, you know, like, and for your mom, you know, like growing up, but we, you know, we can't, yeah. you know, we can't change the past, but we can only hope better for the future and for our children growing up Mm -hmm. and 
So yeah, absolutely. You know, like my mom was born in El Salvador. She came um, when she was four. So she was, she raised, she was raised here in the U.S. But my dad came um, when he was in his 20s, early 20s from El Salvador. Mm. So he was raised over there. So I've, I've learned a lot from my dad. Mm. Um, but I've also learned a lot from my grandmother because we're talking about women. So women, you know, my, my grandmother, she came from El Salvador. Um, and she actually, you know, came obviously in, in hopes of a better life for her children, her grandchildren, you know, me, um, her grandchild. And so now looking at it, my grandmother came and she left, left behind her four children in El Salvador with her mother so that she could come and work here. And she worked for a few years to try to, you know, like make a living and sort of bring her family over here. But she sacrificed years of their lives, you know, being, you know, seeing them grow up. So and finally she was able to bring them over here and she brought her children, include, you know, my mom included and a lot of her family, she brought her mother, some of her siblings. And so, but she worked her way up, you know, and um, now speaking to her about what I'm doing, you know, she also says, you know, not at the beginning, because at the beginning, I feel like she took it as more as an offense yeah. <laughs> so it's like you what you mean that you you know like you feel this way and that way and whatever but um I think she's definitely you know come around and she she really loves what I'm doing and and the same same thing like my mom said like it it's it's needed it's needed um because coming from uh, like I know w with my family coming from El Salvador and I've seen it in my dad I've seen it in my mom my grandmother um, so when my dad came, he was fleeing from the civil war that was happening in the 1980s in El Salvador. So he, you know, and, and not even, not just him alone, because he dealt, he, he dealt with and still deals with trauma from that war. Yeah. But, you know, I know just growing up over there, you know, in a country that is not, you know, a country as privileged as the one we're living in now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, dealing with traumas from that, from, you know, being poor and all these things, um, seeing that in my grandmother and my mother, you know, we, they, you obviously are dealing with this mentally. Yeah. And just imagine if being, you know, if this was an open conversation, yeah. you know, how much better that, that you know, would, that would have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, did you find yourself when you were growing up, um, because I know you lived in, again, you lived in Yonkers. Did you find um, a lot of more Salvadorians around when you, grow, when you were growing up? Or did you feel you was alone a lot of the time? So in Yonkers, not really. You know, like there, there are a handful of Salvadorians. And like I can look at my, you know, group of friends and like there's a handful. But there's the majority here in Yonkers. It's, um, there's a lot of Mexicans and a lot of Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. So I did a lot of times feel alone because it's, it's a different, you know, each, each country has its own and even Central America as a group, yeah. South America. Yeah. You know, and I still, you know, it's funny you ask that because I have a younger cousin who I'm very close to. He's 14 and, you know, I'm always looking out for him. And maybe a few weeks ago, he said something like, oh, you know, like, I don't know a lot of other Salvadorians. Mm-hmm. And he was like, there's not too many. And I was like, you know what, Inango? I said, that's so crazy that that's still true today because I felt the same way growing yes. up. 
And I felt the same way. You really? Know? And I and I think it was also, um, and I know we're going like, you know, a little bit different in the conversation, but I mm-hmm. think um again it goes into identity. Like I think there was a point there, even when I was 16, 14, 16, like I kind of lost I didn't know where I identified as, you understand? Because I knew I was Hondureña at home. I knew I was Hondureña when I was with my family. But um, when I came to my friends, I went to a school in the Bronx. So I was around, surrounded a lot of um, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and Blacks. So um, when I would say Honduras, again, um, a lot of people didn't know about that. So it was, I was yeah. like, okay, so who, where do I stand? Because I have a lot of Puerto Rican Dominican friends. Then I have Puerto Rican Dominican cousins. So I'm like, oh, I, I guess I have to be sometimes Puerto Rican and Dominican to kind of blend in. But it was, they knew where I was from. But again, it was like a kind of a loss of identity because it was in the sense of who is Honduran around here? Um, am I the only one? You yes. Know? um no and, I feel you 100% you know so and 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 again it's like my parents never really spoke about that stuff you understand like you know like you're gonna be you're surrounded by a lot of people we just grew up in the hood and you know you just grew up around them you understand but mm-hmm. I think it's also when you're in that age of I think my struggles and I'm gonna have to say this and I kind of one of the reasons why I vote for Salih but like the struggles is that like a sense of you kind of lose an identity of yourself along with everything else because you're like where I know I'm Latina I know I'm I know where I come from but mm-hmm. how come there's only one of me in a thousands of everyone else yeah yeah and, and, I agree with you yeah and then you feel like your friends won't get you because you are not from their country yeah, yeah, like there were a lot of things that you just could not relate to. Mm-hmm. And like I know here in Yonkers, so like back in the day when I was growing up, like I remember the, so there's the, they would do the Yonkers Puerto Rican Day Parade. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it was like the thing, like all my friends were going and it was like going through South Broadway. And like I remember my dad at one point, he even bought me like the shirt and I'm like, and <laughs> but and now it's evolved into the Yonkers Hispanic Day Parade. Yeah. But talking about like the identity thing, like I can completely relate to you because so my grandmother, she came from El Salvador, right? And then so my mother's father, um, he, you know, stayed back, like she never met him and you know, yeah. he was not in the picture. But my grandmother got remarried here in the States to a Puerto Rican man. So growing up, and that's the only grandfather I ever knew, you know, that's the man who, you know, like the only father my mom ever knew. And um, he raised us all, you know, so growing up, it was like, I always knew that Papa was Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And I knew my grandmother was Salvadorian and, you know, my mother. But so then at one point, I remember even telling my friends like when I was younger, I thought I was half Salvadorian and half Puerto Rican. Because that was, or like a quarter Puerto Rican, you know, because I was like, what like, uh, like my dad buying me the shirt and then it's like because I, yeah yeah because i think it's also like i want to blend in with you guys yeah <laughs> and and yeah. again and and again it's i and i, I kind of said this before another podcast i'm like it's nothing wrong about again my, my kids are half dominican and half Honduran. you understand what i mean mm-hmm. nothing wrong about trying to say that but i think it's because 
there was limited of us Central Americans to relate to, like to connect with in my community, yeah. that I kind of felt I had to blend in with these other cultures so that I can be light, you understand? And I can, I don't know, have a conversation, right? But then when you look at me and you look at my friends, you're like, oh yeah, this one is completely like not belong in this group because you can tell she's different. You understand? Like I was, you know, but, um, you know, I'm kind of happy that like I'm having this conversation because I don't think people realize the whole Latino, Latina, um, identity that a lot of us go through, you know, as even as first generation and even beyond, I think a lot of us do still go through it that, you know, we, we grew up in a community that there's not a lot of us within the same culture because our family left and it's just family that we can connect to. And a lot of our friends won't, can't, not that they can't and won't, but they don't understand our culture because they're from just a different Spanish culture. You understand (laughs) what I mean? So I'm kind of glad that you can relate to that because I'm Oh, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like growing up, I remember like, when I would say I'm Central American, people would ignorantly just say, oh, that you're Mexican. Yeah. And you know, nothing wrong with Mexican, but because that was the majority, people were just like, okay, we're going to categorize you with, yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was categorized a lot with that growing up. Um, and again, nothing wrong with Mexicans. I, I love them. You understand? I have, you know, I have a bunch of friends who are Mexicans, but um, I would get upset because it's like, what can you not understand that I am not Mexican? You understand? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, mm-hmm. I am from Honduras. Um, because I felt a lot of the times too that my friends weren't categorized that way. You understand? Like, they were kind of like, you just, they said Puerto Rican. People just know, oh, you're Puerto Rican. You understand? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you're Dominican. Okay, I understand the mango and salami. You know what I mean? So they right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you say Honduras and they're like, okay yeah you're Mm -hmm. right so yeah um but i'm kind of glad that we had that you know we kind of shared that because i don't again like i think there's other people out there that can relate to that that don't realize that that's something that us that we go through um yeah now i would want to go and talk about your non-for-profit i know you spoke a little bit about that um can you share what is the what is the plan what is the goals i know you just launched that non-for-profit um, but what is the ultimate goal for that non-for-profit and where do you, where do you see yourself going with that? So my ultimate, ultimate goal, um, is to develop a program and initiative that we can bring into the schools, specifically here in Yonkers. And, you know, my, my, my wish would be to get into like the middle schools and the high schools, because that's really where you know, we, we're all going through that transition, you know, from middle school to high school, and we're all trying to find ourselves and our bodies are changing and we're going through things mentally and we don't know what's going on. And if, you know, for the most part, like we said, it's not spoken about at home, you know? So, um, based on my experience, you know, growing up in the schools in Yonkers here, um, I went to Lincoln high school Mm -hmm. and it was, uh, you know, there wasn't any of this. There were, there were counselors, but they weren't even like counselors for, you know, psychological reasons. They, these were counselors that would help you with college and stuff like that, you know? So that's definitely my ultimate goal with Que Pasola NX and just creating that awareness. Because like I said, back when I was a teenager in high school and even in middle school learning this, you know, it's, it's valuable. Educating others on, first of all, 
what 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 is a mental illness what is the difference between mental health and mental illness what are the most common mental disorders you know what are the telltale signs and how can i help someone whether it's myself or some one of my friends or or a parent you know so that those are just that creating that awareness alone i feel will be so impactful and it can change you know that can change someone's life just just knowing that little bit of information yeah. so because i know you know once i found out about it um when i was older that changed my life so yeah. you know that's that's my ultimate goal and that you know i feel like getting to the younger generation is where i'll, I'll truly make an impact um um one other thing i know you have held workshops um outside right um mm -hmm. Do, are you currently still doing that? I know with COVID and everything, but is that still something that um, you still be offering um, for for people who are not, let's just say, within the middle school, high school range for the adults? Um, is that something that you'll still be offering or are you still offering that now? So, yeah, so with the non-for-profit, we definitely, we wanted to really scale the ones that we had already been doing. Um, but like you said, due to COVID, we couldn't really launch, you know, with any events, yeah. but, um, yes, yeah, so it is, that's definitely where we're gonna be heavily, you know, involved in the community is on those, in those events, uh, when, when the time comes when we can, yeah. but for now we're, um, establishing a community, a virtual community support group. Mm. So I'm going to be, you know, I'm working on that and I'll be launching that um, either the end, the, the last week of July or early August, mm -hmm. I'll be launching that so I can, you know, start to form some sense of community for those who are not inside the schools. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be doing that up until we can do events. If not, like I really, that's really where my heart is doing events. So in my mind, I'm like, I even want to try to do like a socially distanced event or something, <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, so definitely that's what we're, that's definitely like, you know, the meat of what we're, what we want to do. Yeah, and you guys, um, to anyone that's listening, all the information that Maria has shared um, and anything that she will be, that's going to be up and coming and launching, I will definitely put all of that in the show notes. Um, that way people know, you know, how they can get involved with your program, you know what I mean, with your not-for-profit and, you know, what is it that you offer. Mm -hmm. Um. Maria, before we close, because I could definitely go for like hours with this. I'm like, so yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, do I have to end when I do? Um, um, any last minute words that you would like to share? Um, I know you shared so much already about your story, and which I truly appreciate because now, um, you kind of gave me like more of a sense, a more understanding, right, of who you are in your work. Um, but any last minute words that you would like to give? Um, before we close off. Um podcast um yeah i just want to say i mean you know every day and especially right now during this pandemic it's like so tough on all of us in whatever way you know whether you were impacted by it whether you're just impacted by you know at home mentally physically um you know so just be gentle with yourself and just take it one day at a time um you know let tomorrow's worries be tomorrow's worries and just you know one day at a time and another thing just always be kind because you never know what someone else is going through, you know, mentally. So just always be kind. Um, and for anyone out there who wants to be a part of our mental health movement, um, you know, join the conversation, share your story with us. Um, uh, our Instagram is at Que Paso Latinx. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we also have a website, www.quepasolanx.org. And my personal uh, blog page is at quepasolatina. And I also have a website where I share my blogs, www.quepasolatina.com. Thank you so much. And you guys, again, I'm going to put all that information in the show notes. That way, if you want to get in contact with Maria, if you want to follow um, Que Paso Latinx, but also get involved, right? And follow her, follow her journey, follow yeah. what she's doing, support her, because that is so important um, for anyone. Just please support. That's just really important. Please share. Please um, share everything that she's doing, because that's how we continue to reach other people and continue to help other people. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Maria, again for sharing your story. Honestly, I have a whole different perspective. I'm like, wow, this is intriguing. This is amazing. And especially everything that you're doing starting from when you you started in 16. So I truly do appreciate you being here, you being part of the community, and even sharing your story because that's just, you know, I'm really amazed and inspired by you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, really. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening um, and for being part of the Christy Osoria show. If this episode resonated with you, and for, or if you know someone that it can help, please go ahead and share it. And please do not forget to tag me um, on social media. And also, um, when you have a chance, please take a minute to leave a review so that we can continue to spreading our message and continue to share our story with the world. Thank you so much.